This is the Bearmore Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, I'm with Reed Dent and his best friend and ministry partner, Derek James Rohr III. Let it be known that Marty has asked Derek several times to come and be on the podcast, and Derek has just said... No, thank you. I always refuse, Martin. I cannot tell Reed no, obviously. Yeah, so we're here talking about, uh, we're in our spiritual practices section of session seven. Um, We're going to be talking about the idea of friendship as a spiritual practice. But before we get into that, Derek, I want to start by asking you, what do you think are some of the great duos in the history of the world? Great friendships, great pairs. Moses Aaron... Moses Yahweh, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick <laughs> wow. Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. I mean, honestly, anybody that you put receiving balls from Patrick Mahomes is going to instantly become a great duo. Max Roy the Fourth, Patrick Mahomes. What about Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? Would you say that that's a great duo? That's up there. It counts. It's sort of like, yeah, yep. Yes. What about Patrick Mahomes and yes? Okay. Great. So just anybody that's with him. That's great. Joe Burrow. He could turn Joe Burrow into like an NFL player. (laughs) I was trying hard pre-gaming to like get all of this not in my mind. And then Reed yesterday told me, oh, yeah, no, we need to start with that. And now it's a whole (laughs) shift in my brain. I'm not I haven't caught up. (laughs) We're not even in the season. Will the season be started by the time this comes out? Does Marty season care? He doesn't, he doesn't care what happens in the season. He has just... Marty gone on the record, by the way? This is the chance to go on the record and let people know that Marty has predicted, hard predicted, the Chiefs are losing our season opener against the Lions. Nobody cares. And he generously gave us 10 and 7 <laughs> and thinks actually it might be more like 9 and 8. I'm outing Marty on that one so that when we go back and win another Super Bowl because it feels good to win Super Bowls. I bet him Trush's house that Joe Burrow doesn't have a better first five years than Patrick Mahomes. He's he's forecasting. Marty's like a math guy. Oh, look at the trend line. Oh, well, he had 100 rushing yards today. I guess he has 1,600 for the season. What? Uh, more th- this is why I can't get started on this, Reed. This is why he can't be on the podcast. <laughs> Brent, so you seem like a reasonable trash, guy. Is trash talk part of uh, friendship? Is that, Are you kidding Is that a legitimate spiritual practice? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it definitely baby. is. Um, Derek, let's let's talk about our friendship. Who are we? Why why do we what gives us the right to sit here and talk about friendship as a spiritual practice? Where did we get started? What's what's give us a brief history of the friendship of Derek and Reed. I'm breathing really hard and my heart rate is still coming down, so I apologize to all the Bay Mites. What was it? Two thousand. The name of we call them Pod Rishners, Derek. It's a little Catholic sounding for my taste, Brent. <laughs> well, I do have Catholic background. Yesterday, I was like ready for like, okay, I think I can like get into a nice little groove, and then Reed's like, oh, you can say anything you want, and Brent will just edit it out, and now edit it out, edit it, edit it out. What, why would he tell me a thing like you that? You don't have Billings? to make it intentionally hard on him. I'm All not, I'm saying I'm, is I'm that helping you, Brent. Okay. There are some delicious outtakes that never made it into the wider public square. But from, none here. And, Intakes only. Anyway, take so it's fine. We'll, we'll take care of it. It's what good. was it? 2003, right. probably? Reed, Reed's question was actually really good. I want to know, what gives you two the right to talk about this? Yes. In the okay. year of our Lord, 2003. 20 years ago. Pride, that seems like the right time, right? Happy friendship birthday. I was a Truman student, about to be on staff at CCF, probably. Reed was a younger baby Truman student, CCFer. And I emailed him over the summer. Reed. What U2 albums should I listen to? And he sent me 
um, what I now know to be a like prototypical Reedian email. Glad you asked about the greatest band in the history of the world. And then he listed in order some albums that he talked about. Um, and uh, that is my first recollection that then jump-started uh, a discipleship relationship. Which I remember started um, that next school year, came back, and uh, we decided to read a book together. That book was? I decreed that we would read a book together. Well, that okay. That you would read a book, and fine. I would hold Did your you, hand as book? you read what the book. What was the book? It was The Cost of Discipleship. The cost is great. Did you ever make it past chapter one? I'm sorry. Are these things... Chapter one? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea was we would read a chapter a week and talk about it. And definitely did that the first week. And I mean, in my recollection, it was the second week I showed up and you were like, yeah, I'm still working on it. And then that was slow. pretty much the story for the rest of the school year. So I read it through. I even let a, I, I let a small group on that book. See? And you are still I waiting. Was the I mean, but here's, of that small here's group. the deal. The first chapter of that book is where the money's at. You don't need anything more beyond Come that. On, cheap grace. Cheap grace, costly grace. It's good stuff. Uh, and then since then, we so we went through my uh, four years at Truman together. Um, those who know Derek know that he spent many more years at Truman than I did, and really than anyone. Derek holds a record at Truman for, I mean, if you can even say that there is any other thing competing for the record. Uh, most consecutive years slash semesters of taking at least a class. How many now? I mean, 1999. So falls and spring semesters, 48 down, I guess. 48 semesters straight taking classes. Pretty good. Um, <laughs> I we think also, slow. I told you. I think very slow. Toward the end of my time, I started working at CCF and Derek was stepping into his uh, role as kind of like the the director, the guy here. Uh, we started working together. So became a... You know, I, I wouldn't professional is like not the right word for it, but we started working together. Uh, we also started. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. What are you telling me that CCF Truman is a student club? <laughs> well, we do have student affiliation, student, stu- student organization uh, like status. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, did I is... say something weird? No, I'm just saying, like, if he's still taking classes and he oh. is the supposed leader of your ministry, like, yeah. you, you're you just a student club. Just a student club. Well, actually, the, the university kind of wow. changed some rules, I think, low-key because of Derek. Like, a couple years ago, they were they said, okay, so every student affiliate or student organization has to have a president. Derek had served as the president for decades running because he was always enrolled in a class. And they changed the rules and said it has to be a full-time, full-time degree-seeking, degree-seeking student, student to be the president. <laughs> Not you, weird old man. <laughs> and the yeah, only, right. literally the only organization <laughs> at Truman that was affected by that was us. And we just put some students in there. And now we have Madam President, and he's pretty great. Um, so we started working together. And we also started, I mean, importantly to the, I think, the arc of our friendship, our Having relationship. together? That is simultaneously that's ambiguous. Sorry, that's syntactically ambiguous. We started having babies um, at the same time. We both did. Our wives had babies. Uh, we've raised families um, concurrently, also together. Uh, Derek is like second dad to my kids, and I'm like second dad to his kids. And the same for the moms. Um, and I don't know. At some point, things like really started getting. I feel like more like intertwined or interwoven at like a, I mean, and it's happening all the while, but do you think there was a time 
where it felt like there was really kind of a sharper turn towards like a deeper soul level kind of connection. Probably a gazebo DTR is what you're searching for. Keeve cites Keevan, who also works with us, longtime uh-huh. working ministry partner, yeah. triad man. Keeve cites, uh, remember when you guys started reading poetry to each other with like disgust in his voice, disdain? That that seems to be the turning point. <laughs> He's for him. coming around. Even Marty's coming <laughs> around on that one. Marty Marty likes when I read things out loud. Um, he cites that. I don't know. I mean, we we did work together for quite a while as like just normal working yeah. together people, and then. Just the time in together, probably because I also need help as a leader. I was never trying to be Marty and just rule the world solo. Um, I uh, would, you know, after Reed was here for a long time and Trush filled this too. Trush was sitting in here. Um, But, you know, it became a collaborative thing. So, hey, Reed, either I could work on this email about a difficult situation to a student and I could send it in six or eight months or could you do it tonight? And, uh, you know, that's, but then like, it feels like it contributes. Yeah, for sure. And we started, I mean, years ago, we started having a standing meeting every week, which sounds like a, maybe a strange thing to do with somebody that you would call your best friend. Like we have an arranged meeting time. Um, but I actually think that plays into the, the discipline of it. And those conversations were kind of work oriented and then started turning towards all manner of other things as well. Um, which I, I asked the question to uh, maybe this is a diving in point for the conversation, just to point out that uh, friendship as like a something that you would call like a spiritual practice or like a soul level sort of thing is something that doesn't just happen like quickly. And that we were, I mean, we were in each other's lives for, I don't know, a decade at years, least, yeah. lots of years at that point. Um, so the it brings up a question, uh, and that is what, um, like, how the, for you, Derek? How would you say that our friendship, our relationship, like, how would you how would you say that it's been a spiritual practice for you? Um, and along with that, what are some practices that we have engaged in together, like as a part of our friendship, that are spiritual practice? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it just all God talk? Like we just sit around and talk about God all day? I do. And you're always like, who's that? Who's that again? <laughs> On that note, actually, I was going to bring it up at some point, but we talked about uh, C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves, and he talks about the different kinds of love. Um, from the first time I read the book forever ago, one of the things that stood out to me was a distinction that he made in Eros, Romantic Love, that two people are facing each other's, facing each other eyes locked, their whole world, you know, like revolves in uh, their own tiny little universe. And there's good stuff that comes from that, babies, etc. A key difference, uh, he said, about uh, friendship love, philos, was that, uh, like, that would be weird if that's how friends were situated, oriented in the world, and instead um, friendship largely uh, is constituted of two people facing the same direction, looking at the same thing together. And so, I mean, I think quite literally, we watch movies together. We have led small group movie small groups um, together at CCF where we're looking together at the same thing and you know, teaching out of that. Um, we, you know, eat, eat meals, share stuff as, um, as a family, excuse me, as a group of our two families together, 
um, which is you know, eating meals. All, all three of us on this podcast right now are grammar nerds to the 10th degree. So the, <laughs> what are you getting me on? Oh, the, did you say something wrong? No, he said, he said our family, we eat together as a family. And he's like, Oh wait, I oh. mean, our two, our two families are one. Yes. It was an unpacking. It was a clarification. It was, it's like a Trinitarian sort of thing. I'll, I'll right. you in later, yeah. yeah. You can just assume if you hear something that sounds like a mistake, you can assume that I'll uh, explain it to you later. Perfect. Um, they, I, I think of that as a, a you know a spiritual practice um, for sure. Uh, the way that, and the thinking of the the philos friendship love thing, uh, the way that it it's intended for, like what's happening between friends, is intended for the good of the world around them. So a larger community than just the two of you and. Um, so obviously in our particular situation, working at CCF together, that takes the form of doing lots of stuff that we are interested in, that we want to dive into prayer and scripture and reading and movies and football and all of that. And then drawing students into that, you know, turning it into an excuse for teaching and community and whatever. But I, I think of the heart of that friendship bleeding out into uh, good for for other people around. Like It's a key marker of the spiritually rejuvenating nature of like what can come from uh, what can come from friendship. I think that a lot of the, the things that end up becoming conversations with other people, with students or that become sermons or that become Bema episodes or that become uh, whatever they like uh, the God talk kind of stuff. I feel like a lot of it for me has its beginning in the roots of that friendship. And it's because it, uh, it, it's like, this is a friendship where, um, like you can set aside all of the pretense and all of the concern about being right or wrong, uh, where you can stand side by side and face maybe what it is that you're facing is God. And you're saying, uh, this is this is what I don't understand, or this is what I heard, but it seems like otherwise. And a f- uh, a friend to me, like a, a a spiritual friendship, something that goes really deep, gives the space to be able to ask those things and to explore along with you, and also to call you delusional if you're being delusional and say no, it's not actually like that. Like there is a mutual, like it's all mutually up. Like it's it's building you up, but sometimes that's by saying yes, and sometimes it's by saying no. Uh, and having the the care and concern and the humility to submit yourselves to one another in that way feels like a big part of it for me. But it's 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 not just like sitting around doing quiet times together or you know that kind of thing. When it, I'm just thinking of the, specifically what other people would think of as the spiritual aspect. Well, and my question is maybe not even the spiritual aspect of it because I think it's not. Uh, I, I don't think it would be that hard for people to recognize the spirituality in a lot of the things that you've mentioned, mm-hmm. but what, what takes it from a spiritual experience into a spiritual practice? Like, mm-hmm. is that just yeah? like how, like, does your friendship have to be ex- explicitly like set out with all of these different, like, Oh, we're going to do this together. We're going to do, you know, every week we're going to do this. We're going to like, how, how do you make it a practice? I think we do set out to do things together. We're going to read through the like. So one of the things we do is we take trips to down to Columbia or Kansas City, St. Louis for different things. It's either it's a few hours in the car and we'll come ready with here's what I'm bringing to read. We're going to read this out loud. I'm going to read it because Derek gets carsick. 
uh, and I'll read it for an hour straight, and then we'll discuss whatever it is that we've been talking about. I think to me, what it makes it like, uh, even aside from acute practices, um, of which there are many, like many things you can set out to do together and should do, I think just the discipline of maintaining a friendship is hard work. And I think a lot of college students maybe aren't ready for that when they graduate, because in college, it's not super hard work to like have lots of people around you because it's just a whole bunch of 19 to 23 year olds living it within a square mile of each other with nothing to do, but like be in the same space as one another. And then they get out into the world and they start working and they start having families. And now they live 35 minutes away on the other side of the city. And suddenly that feels like a really long way and it's hard to make that drive. Um, And so the fact is that having uh, and, and you can't do this with a million people. Like, don't try to have a hundred best friends. Like, go for one. Try one. Try to sustain one over the course of twenty years, and you'll find that like that requires maybe about as much energy as you have, uh, and that it does mean we, you know, we see each other impromptu. You do the hangouts and come over for the Chiefs game or whatever. But we also have there. At least for me, there is a sense of oh man, we like. We have to make this happen uh, because if we don't, life carries you away and then you end up never being able to throw your, you know, your intent, your will, your energy into really making it deeper. Absolutely. So all of that. I mean, the experience only comes and especially is only sustained by the discipline of doing the practice. And so it's a lot like maintaining a spousal relationship a family relationship it's a lot like the discipline to get anywhere good and to to lead to flourishing uh yeah i mean it's it's calendars and uh getting it in there and doing you know sacrificing doing stuff that you don't necessarily want to at some time because it's for you know the good of the other person or it's a thing that should happen uh yeah the the practice element to me i mean reed mentioned noon on mondays we have shoreline our our time together that we talk sermons but then it turns into you know families difficult stuff good stuff in the football season it's just hopeless it's just every week like it's oh true. my goodness how did we win the freaking universal lottery this is we're so spoiled <laughs> but outside of that i'm not talking about that why would we even talk about that um, you know, outside of yeah, that, well, we, okay. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask about the seasonality specifically because I yeah. would say that one of my best friends is the guy that I do wedding photography with. Mm, nice. So we see each other a lot in the summer, mm-hmm. um, you know, most weekends, and we're you know sometimes driving an hour to get to the venue, an hour back. Like we're all day together. We're talking throughout the week about the different photos. We're talking about the next one, but then in the winter we don't talk nearly as often mm-hmm. because, and we almost never see each other. So I, I think maybe that's something, I mean, I guess even in a spousal relationship, like sometimes there's military deployments or other kinds of things where you're separated for a season. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe friendships are a little bit more flexible in that way and that you can potentially go longer between but then it's not as much of a practice, maybe. I don't know. I mean, one of, yes, that's all true. One thing that strikes me is that you can picture concentric circles of, like Reed said, it, not everyone can have a 20-year best friend that you happen to live a mile away from and work together with for all that time. Some people do. Like, that's its own thing that you know has requires different stuff, has its own benefits, whatever. But there, there are concentric circles of 
types of levels of friendship that, uh, of, of course, like you, you don't like that literally takes 20 years. So what are you doing in the meantime? Like you, you obviously are friends with other people and you're developing what can and should be there. And so different contexts, you know, the seasonality of seeing people, that's good. That's fine. Uh, and those things, I, I don't, it's not a binary, like here is the good platonic ideal of friendship and everything else sucks. And you, you know, like you, you don't have it. Uh, instead, if the the practice of friendship is being a friend and diving into uh, whatever that means in in lots of different contexts, like for b- being okay with lower level, like I only see this person every other month, but here's what can happen, you know, in that time and space. And I'm going to pray for Reed's children more than, you know, other, other people that I also know, but it doesn't mean that I don't care. And when I do see them, you know, there, there's a practice of giving of myself and caring for them and like asking what does God want in, in these contexts? Uh, I, I just, I think that it's not a binary thing. There's, there's room for lots of legitimacy. Um, so a conversation that I'm sure many of us have had, um, is about friendship and relationships like in a digital age. Um, and so I want to shift the conversation there a little bit. Uh, and especially I think it's relevant to the Bema community because it is um, just by nature uh, dispersed and somewhat vast. And they parishioners in the diaspora. I didn't say it. You said it. Uh, <laughs> and that a lot of like there are people who know who who know one another through Bema, but they are like always long distance. They live in that what their connective tissue is Bema. Uh, they don't live in the same town or do the same thing. Um, and so I guess I just wonder your thoughts, uh, Derek, and also your thoughts, Brent, about um, just friendship in a digital age, how necessary is being in someone's like flesh and blood presence? Uh, what what are the are there like non-optional aspects of like in-person presence? Um, not saying that I don't want to just pile on digital like relationships and say that they're worthless or anything like that because I don't think that they are. But are there limitations? Um, what are the necessities of in-person kinds of stuff? Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Egad, <laughs> as you know, I am an analog man with a body of flesh and, and a cool vinyl record player that's me i don't even text my own 16 year old daughter back when she texts me so i'm <laughs> i am a bad electronic person brent you will you probably and maybe me. a bad dad I've, excuse me <laughs> she has read as a second was, father she doesn't need much from me i think are that you re- was the, are you responding in some other way or are you I just ignoring her well, because yeah, she I'll said see, you're texting i'll see her in two hours <laughs> wow, i mean she doesn't usually bother to text me anyway yeah i'll i'll talk to you when i see you it'll be great Okay, okay, um, I'm okay, just okay, I'm a yeah no I'm a I'm a bad electric and electronic and electrical person I'm not an electrician Brent um, but the, there's obviously good that can happen from like you can still share words and you can still know people um, I, thinking in terms of the concentric circles or like different things that are appropriate to different kinds of relationships um, of course like dig into the good that can come from like, it's a miracle that you can see somebody who's on the other side of the world. And it's, you know, a miracle. It's also kind of a curse. And uh, I, I would say like, I assume that I'm here to be the pushback guy on this. 
I you are here to be you. I I would say, um, to, like you probably need to like you you are a flesh and blood person. You are embodied in the world, and that stuff really is realer. So uh, if if all and of your friends are only you've never actually sat in the same room with them or don't know them like don't know them in person like you you probably um need to meet your neighbor you probably need to talk to somebody at work you probably need to be inside a physical church building and be annoyed by somebody like you you actually do need that uh and then that can be supplemented by people from the past that you can keep up with and new people that you can meet in the bama universe and whatever and like of course there's real good that can happen there but it does feel like Things have shifted a little too quickly where everyone just assumes like anything that we can do, we can do at a distance and instantaneously and whatever. And I think there's much, much, much lost in not having tangible flesh and blood. I mean, the annoyance as much as anything else as yeah, physicality. Brent, you got thoughts on that? Well, I'm just now realizing that the guy I uh, shoot weddings with, his name is also Brent. We we are actually twenty year friends. As you of... never knew his name. <laughs> what is it? Just you? What Brent? No. Is this okay? Okay. No, 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 no. Mm. Uh, and it's great because we show up and he's like, "I'm Brent," and they're like, "Oh, great, we've been talking to you." And then I'm like, "I'm Brent," and they're like, "What?" Um, this should be a short and... film. <laughs> no, maybe Christopher Nolan could make it a five hour short film. Uh, gee. Uh, carry on, carry yeah, on, yeah. carry on. Um, yeah, so we are actually 20 year friends as of this year. I I was initially thinking like, oh wow, a 20 year friendship like that's pretty like that's aspirational, Ella. And it's like, oh no, I actually <laughs> I actually have that as of right now. Um, but we had so much time together at the beginning of our friendship in person, and now we live an hour and a half apart. You know, we see each other regularly during the summers, but not as much. And I don't think it would work as well without that. But like that initial period of maybe like five or seven years of our friendship where we saw each other all the time, uh, you know, we worked together at various points. Um, we were at each other's houses multiple days a week, going to church together, youth group together, whatever. Um, yeah. And I, I think the amount of communication that we have today at a, on a virtual level maybe wouldn't work if we hadn't had that initial period of spending so much time together in the flesh. Yeah. <clears throat> a thought that I had when, uh, and thinking about this, um, and yeah, it's just the, maybe the difference between, um, conveying an experience to somebody and sharing an experience with somebody. Um, and what I mean by that is like, if, if one of the deep, uh, purposes or benefits of like real friendship, uh, is to walk alongside together as we're being made into the people God wants us to be, um, I am of, I can benefit like Derek, for example, much more because I know more than just what he has reported to me, more than just what he has like told me over a text message or told me like on a phone call or an email uh, that I have lived alongside him and seen him in lots of different flesh and blood contexts. 
Um, I mean, so we mentioned raising kids together and uh, raising kids is hard <laughs> to say the obvious. Not and for me. Uh, unless you have Derek's perfect children, in which case it's very easy. Um, just kidding. Nobody's kids are perfect, especially not Derek's. But wow. if, if, uh, you know, if, if what I'm trying to do alongside Derek, uh, if we're trying to become, uh, good fathers and faithful husbands, um, and if there's any like wisdom or encouragement or correction that I can offer him, uh, that is coming from a place that goes way beyond just what he is telling me about the situation. Like I, I, I can offer him something hopefully good because I hear what he's telling me. And I also know his son, Jude, and I know the dynamic between them. Uh, I know Jude as his own individual person. I, Jude has a relationship with me. Like there's this whole intermingling of things going on because of real shared experience, um, that feels like, is a uh, a it, it feels necessary to me in a lot of ways uh, to being able to speak well to one another uh, to speak into one another in a good way uh, and again I'm not trying to bash like online relationships but there's a lot more to a person than uh, what they think about you know a Bible passage or what they think about um, an issue. Or, you know, what happened to them last Saturday, there is a lot more to a person um, that it's all good to share all those things in online formats. But I think we also really need a person or maybe some few people who share those things alongside us who know us really well um, so that they can, like I said, speak well and so that we can uh, – it's a matter of both speaking the love of God into somebody and receiving the love of God through somebody. And I feel like the in-personness is like a hugely crucial part of that. If you see my face while I'm screaming at Jude, you'll know a whole other level of terror for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is why, like, not uh, to say I don't care about other people or what they might think that they think, but if – it, like I will go to read or if read tells me something, I'm basically like, that's a, it's a very low bar for me to say, like, I'm, I'm going to believe what you're saying because I know you trust you, you know, this whole thing inside and out in a way that like, if I just pulled, you know, a handful of even other like good friends, but that who are outside of a situation with my son, or like, I'm thinking about, you know, this thing, uh, like I'm, I'm if, if Reed tells me you're coming on Baymouth to do friendship with me, I'm like, okay, fine. I have to. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if whatever, I have two more weeks of my sabbatical this summer to find a counselor. Cause I pinky promised to read that I, you know, would do that. And he's right. Like I, of course I want to do that and I will do it. And you know, like I'm, I'm not really, uh, other people can like have their opinions and tell me stuff. And I like try to listen with an open mind, but I, I see the extent to which they do or don't understand at a deep level, you know, the situation. And so I'm, I'm just prorating my response accordingly. Uh, and so the, the discipline, the spiritual discipline of friendship leads to that. Kind of, like to me, that's, that's obvious discipleship at work, you know, like as I'm trying to follow Jesus, I have, that voice that I'm mm -hmm. following as it follows Jesus. And that like, that is discipleship that only comes through the the practice of, of friendship. Yeah. And sometimes it's an encouragement in like a lifting up sort of sense, but sometimes it's an encouragement uh, in like a pushing forward sort of sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think uh, another thing just to 
speak of the the necessity of in-person type stuff is thinking of shared experiences and another thing C.S. Lewis said, like when it comes to, for example, joy, because I was thinking about what are some of the the kind of um, not optional, like flesh and blood, as- like aspects of life that we need to share. So like in, in an experience of joy, C.S. Lewis said, you know, your experience of joy is not really complete until you have shared that thing with another person. And I was thinking about the ways in which we share it and um, not to just drive a dagger and even more, but like, there's a big difference between like when the chiefs win the AFC championship and we, uh, you know, stomp the Bengals down into the ground and we win with the last second field goal. Any given year. Um, when we do that, it's one thing for me to like text my friend who lives in Kansas city that I never see and be like, wow, wasn't it so cool? You know, it's a totally different thing to be watching it with Derek at Trush's house. And when Mahomes gets pushed out of bounds late and that roughing call gets made and we know we've got the game locked, Derek jumps up and punches his fist through the chandelier in Trush's uh, <laughs> little entryway of his house. Like this is a thing that happened. That shared experience is actually like goes along long way it's a that is a spiritual thing that is not a trivial thing glass um, rained as confetti <laughs> even though football in many ways is a very trivial thing um but that experience that is shared there among us is far from trivial that experience of joy or like experiences of grief as well like it is uh i know the hard work of like trying to console and be there for somebody when you can't really be there for them because they live 500 miles away and you do your best and that is good work and that is necessary work and yet there is also something different about like when you're like when your mother-in-law dies i'm going to go over to your house and we are going to sit there and we are going to like weep together or sit in silence together or whatever the thing is that those are like deep things of of being a person and we need a friend or some friends who can share that uh, share that with us. Always go to funerals. If someone dies, always go to the funeral. You have to be physically present. Yeah. Um, okay. So then I want to I want to as we're moving kind of towards the end of um, the things that I have to ask about. On the heels of that, I have gotten communication from Bama listeners before who say that they just feel like they have a really hard time making a friend, uh, that they feel as if there is no one around them. Um, cause a lot of them, you know, a lot of our social circles f- for, for a lot of Christians begin at church and church is a tough spot for a lot of listeners. They feel like they've been burned in various ways. Uh, so what do you say to somebody who feels like maybe they don't have anybody that could feel that role, fill that role or to somebody who's just like, okay, Derek, how do I make a friend? <laughs> Especially when, because for a long time, like when you're growing up, you're forced into situations with uh, like classmates and clubs and sports and teams and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Those opportunities like tend to fade. And then as you get older and you like go to work and maybe you don't do anything else. Uh, So how do you make a friend? I am uniquely ill-suited to answer this question because I have literally been on a college campus for a quarter of a century. It's true. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I, well, that, no, you're, you're well suited, friends. but you are well suited to answer it because you have to engage in the practice of making friends every single year. There are always new people. So you've got a lot of experience. What would you tell people? A couple of things. No particular order. It really is hard work to maintain friendships. And maybe this is a decent spot to say in our culture overall and church culture in particular, 
there's this fetishization fetishization of uh, romance and marriage. And like that is not only a good thing, which it is, but it is the good thing, capital G for you, Brent, there. And uh, it's there's a weird like everything is shoehorned into like it's just a binary like are you married or are you single or do you, are you happy or are you not do you have children or do you not and it's especially in the Midwest it, yeah where we are anyway and you know yeah. this is waning in some ways but maybe not for good reasons as much as just it's actually waning so it it, it is a good thing but it's it's been pursued as if it is the only thing and everything else is optional or is is subpar like in in relation to it um so friendship and other um contexts of love and community um have have been seen as concessions at best or as you know pale approximations of oh my goodness when i meet my soulmate and i'm married and uh instead of seeing like uh, that is a ton of hard work and it's a mirror to yourself if you engage in marriage as a spiritual practice and it will be hell for you as well as like a really good thing uh, that has like twisted the way that we think about friendship. And so if we pursued it similarly thinking, uh, like it's, it's going to require a lot of work, but there, there is real like deep good that can come out of it. I can know and be known. Uh, if, if we shifted in our minds to, to see it more in those terms, um, then, then we would come with like uh, more reasonable expectations for the, the discipline and the hard work of it. Uh, but, but also like, the, the deep joy of it so that when you graduate college and you're like yeah i had my roommates and those good friends and we had fun together but now i'm a real person in the real world and so life just has to be stupid and boring and all i do is you know work and hopefully get married so i can be happy or whatever uh if, if you saw it like in terms of uh, uh pray about it keep your eyes open see where you are and who are the people around you and like what can you do um to to move toward friendship. Uh, Joe Belzer, our spiritual father years ago, I, I remember him offhandedly saying something of, I think he asked me for something, come help him pour concrete or do something at his house or the CCF house. And uh, somehow it led into him saying, I found that one of the best ways for uh, making a friend, being a friend is to put myself in debt to someone else, like ask somebody else for a favor. And like the feeling that's conjured up by like, Oh my goodness, they are willing to help me do this thing. And I feel like, I feel some sort of an obligation and that can be like bad, you know, shame, guilt or whatever, or it can be like a good, healthy, compassionate, like uh, a first step toward a reciprocal mutual kind of friendship where you're, you know, like you are now willing to, to help them and to do something to be together. Um, that feels like a decent practical first step and and maybe one that is like not obvious to us because you can get anything you need by just touching your phone and you can like you, you don't you think it is easy to think that we don't need anybody else for anything um in fact that's not true and uh yeah no absolutely i think that's a really good point i think it is much harder this day and age to put yourself in the debt of somebody else willingly but i think it is a very good way to make a friend because it demonstrates like a coming toward, it demonstrates a humility, it demonstrates a a need. <laughs> you have something that I need. Yeah, for sure. We have remained friends with Trush for these many years, thanks in no small part to us calling him and saying, Trush, my lawnmower is broken, can you help me? Trush, my refrigerator is broken, can you help me? Trush, my thing is broken, can you help me? I love that. 
That's maybe that's maybe my favorite thing that you've said the whole yes. time. Yes, <laughs> it was all capitalized too. It was all in caps. You didn't even notice. One other thought that I had a, a quote that we have um, just to try to speak to again people like looking for friendship in church settings or maybe who feel like that's where they have to look. I mean, this is a great it's a great place to find friends, um, ideally. But uh, there's a quote that we often talk about from I think it was John Paul II who said, and I'm paraphrasing, but that uh, the appropriate context for theological investigation is love and mutual friendship. And what that is, what that means is like deep, long friendships are the place to like explore the, the things about God, especially the, the diff, the difficult disputed controversial things but also not every friendship has to start with a theological agreement. You don't have to find a person who is just like you or who thinks just like you. Uh, you don't have to start by giving somebody like a theological survey to see like how friend compatible they are with you. Uh, you can start by connecting over lots of other things. There's lots of other valuable connective tissue. Including disagreement. Including disagreement. Absolutely. Uh, Derek and I have both had friendships that have been really good that have started from a disagreement rather than an agreement. Um, but whether you agree or disagree, like you can continue, you can still like put yourself in the service of somebody else or uh, allow them to to help you. Um, you can still, there's lots of life that is actually shared, even if thoughts about God aren't shared. Uh, and that those friendships over a long period of time and like they certainly will ebb and flow in and out of theological concern just as your life ebbs and flows out of theological in and out of it you don't have to uh manufacture like some god conversation to make it really deep and valuable or anything like that um it will come up as it matters to you as things matter to you um but yeah that uh you can kind of start a lot of different places like i have a group of good friends in town and we see each other. We play games regularly. Uh, we, you know, our conversations sometimes circle around towards uh, God type things, but we don't all see eye to eye, not by a long shot. And uh, I'm not trying to make it that way. I enjoy the kind of diversity of thought there. It's really good for me. Uh, I think, hope it's good for them. Since everything is spiritual, then all friendship and subject matters and shared interests are spiritual to whatever degree and when loved and pursued appropriately are like uh, then great avenues for uh, growing in discipleship. Absolutely. And barring any other thoughts, I think the last thing that I would circle just back around to that we've already talked about uh, is that idea of two friends standing side by side, looking out at the world and being something that you can like a friendship being something that you can draw other people into. So you find your own connective tissue with somebody uh, maybe it's the Chiefs and maybe you bond because you love watching the Chiefs so much and then you start having other people over to watch the Chiefs at your house with you. Or maybe you love uh, movies like we do and you sit, you find yourself watching them and then discussing them for long hours uh, after the movie is over. Well, you can invite other people into that um, and they then 
they benefit from that friendship, but they also like glean something that they can take into their friendships and it starts to spiral out. And so the depth that you experience with another person who is like a soulmate level friend, when you invite other people to uh, be a part of that with you all, then that same kind of depth I think can uh, reverberate outwards. So keep looking out, not just at one another. Don't bastardize friendship by turning it into some weird fetishized two-person thing like you've done with marriage American culture, you idiots. <laughs> yes. What a what an what an incredible final word. Here's my short list takeaways of how to make a friend. <laughs> okay. Number one, ask somebody to do something for you. And I think maybe along with that, like if it's something that you can do together, like I need help with something. Something I can That's do. That's how I would say it. Yeah. Ask somebody to help you do something, not do... Because if you're just like, hey, will you you're mow my lawn for me? Well, yeah, not like that necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just, yeah. you know, sometimes people have skills that I don't have. And sure. so, yeah. like, I need your help and, like, I'll be there. But really, I'm just going to watch because I have no idea what I'm doing. So, but if, if it's something you can do together, like, do it together. Ask somebody to, like, if you need to go... uh if you need to take a trip somewhere to pick something up, like just ask somebody if they can go with you, like just do something like that together where in that case you're asking for their time. Really? I remember when I was brand new to Truman, speaking of Joe Belzer, our spiritual father, I had been on campus for like a day maybe. And Joe was going around uh, like collecting stuff and then doing advertisement stuff on campus for a freshman event that was happening. <laughs> and he was like, hey, do you want to help come? You want to help me do this? And I was like, uh, isn't isn't this like for freshmen? Am I supposed to do this? And he's like, yeah, it's going to be great. And so I just rode around in his little <laughs> pickup truck with him uh, going around doing stuff. I, I felt like I had been somehow employed at a campus ministry as soon as I got there. Yeah. That's perfect. No, it's great. I mean, it's does it does so much. There are so many good things about that. That's the definition of discipleship. You just yeah. nailed it. After that, just wait for 20 years. <laughs> and then you'll have a great friend. Keep scheduling meetings for 20 years. Actively wait in hope, Brent. Yeah, right. Exactly. Actively wait by saying we're going to get together again and again and again. And they're... you don't put a floor or a ceiling on like what you're going to share uh, yeah. And that's actually another thing is like, there's the connective tissue of things that you mutually like love, but also I feel like I've seen this definitely from Derek to me. And I hope somewhat from me to him that like you make the things that are important to other people important to you so that if they really love the Lakers, like you start keeping up with games and you know who Contavious Caldwell Pope is, even though you have no Reason knowing that ex you know, Laker, stupidly ex Laker, or you know, if you're if you're Derek, like you actually sat down and you played a game of Rising Sun with me for four and a half hours, and then we sat around and talked strategies on a really nerdy board game that you'd never heard of before. That that kind of stuff, like you, um, that's another way that you can kind of make yourself in debt to somebody else is by taking on the things that they love and making it a part of your own life too. Uh, Just a, a yeah. final little footnote there. I love it. That feels like a good episode. Good. It's like a great episode, I think, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> One hour on my recording time, minus about 15 minutes to start when we were just talking. So I think we're right at about 45. Well, we weren't just talking. We were testing things. Testing things and talking. I think, I, think I think this is my shortest episode ever. For sure. 
<laughs> Are you going to do the wrap up line? Uh, I suppose we can wrap it up. Yes. Um, we do have a few links that we're going to, uh, well, I'll see what I can get together from, from the chaos of this conversation, but I think we'll have a few links. So you can go to baymonestablishment.com and check out the show notes for this episode. I think it's just chiefs.com. <laughs> do they have that? Chiefs, yeah, for the Chiefs. You can also follow um, Patrick Mahomes the second on Twitter. The second, he is the second. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, if you just Google Patrick Mahomes, you'll find the right one. Joe Burrow's the first. You can think of it that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm done thinking about this. Really, I think is what what it comes down to. Marty so, is including that as a category in which Joe Burrow is ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Look, he's number one. He's number two. I guarantee you, it's the way. It's the only <laughs> thing he can come up with. Go ahead, Brent. <laughs> uh, Marty's never going to go on sabbatical again after this. Um, so yeah, we've got the contact page there that will always give you the most up-to-date way to get in touch. So thanks for joining us on the Baymont podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Oh my gosh, that cannot be happening. Hold on one second. I hear that. Is this an emergency? Can you hear this? Do I need 18 cups of water? <laughs> no, just just enough cups to get three. Bo- it doesn't have to be exact. You just need to get the noodles into the water and covered. <laughs> it's it's fine. You'll figure it out. Okay. Hey, listen, listen, listen. I'm gonna record, so don't. If it, only call me if you're having an emergency and somebody is dying. I, that seems unnecessary. What are we going to be able to do? No, actually, actually, don't call unless it's an emergency. Okay, love you. Bye.